Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. You're tuning in for our 2022 Christmas Eve message. We hope you enjoy this special service that celebrates the wondrous moment when God entered our world. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you'll leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. I love the story of Christmas. It's a road story, really. Two teenage kids and unwed mother traveling miles and miles to witness a miracle. I mean, think about it. Mary was an unwed teenage girl who said, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit with the Son of God. I'm guessing Joseph had a hard time with that one, but Joseph was a good man and he put Mary on the back of his animal and they traveled miles and miles from Nazareth to a backwater town called Bethlehem. I mean, who could have picked a more unlikely place to welcome a king in our world? Think about how royalty announces its arrival. You know, I read about Queen Elizabeth, her last visit to New York City, do you know how much it cost? $20 million, 20 million bucks. I was like, what did it go towards? The queen brought with her 4,000 pounds of luggage, dozens of servants, bodyguards, the royal hairdresser, they even brought her own supply of special white leather toilet seat covers. You can't have the royal bottom sit where a commoner does. That's how royalty announces itself. Kings and queens, they let their royalty be known with trumpets and fanfare. You stay in fancy hotels and presidents come visit you. But that's not how God chose to announce the arrival of his son into our world. Put yourself in Mary's place. If you were pregnant and you were going to give birth to the Son of God, the, the High King of Heaven, where would you stay? The Bible says, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have the baby and she gave birth to her first son. Because there were no rooms left in the inn, she wrapped the baby with pieces of cloth and laid him in a feeding trough. A feeding trough for animals, which is to say, a manger. It's not a crib at the Ritz-Carlton, is it? But this was the royal bassinet God chose to announce his son's arrival on earth. It, it doesn't get any more humble than this, does it? No jewel-encrusted crib, just pieces of cloth, rags, really. The reality is King Jesus was born in a barn out in the freezing cold. Think about this. The event that splits our calendar in two, before the birth of Christ and after, probably had more barnyard animals than human witnesses. I love Christmas carols, especially the old ones. Joy to the world, Silent Night. But can I read you the oldest Christmas carol in human history? It's written in the Bible, in the book of Philippians chapter two. Now these verses are lyrics from an ancient Christmas hymn 
sung by early Christ followers around 60 AD. Listen to the lyrics that the early Christians sang. In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Christ himself was like God in everything, but he did not think that being equal with God was something to be used for his own benefit, but he gave up his place with God and made himself nothing. He was born as a man and became like a servant. And while he was living as a man, he humbled himself and was fully obedient to God. Even when that caused his death, death on the cross. Of all the things the early Christians could have chosen to sing about in Jesus' life, his power, his miracles, what does this emphasize about the heart of God at Christmas? Humility. You know, humility comes from the Latin word hummus. It means of the earth or the ground. Hummus is where we get the word human. It's why God emphasizes humility at Christmas. Humility is lowering oneself, coming to the earth in the service of others. Even though Jesus was God, the King of Heaven, at Christmas, He took on flesh and He became a baby on earth. It's called humility. Even though we were created to worship Him, at Christmas Jesus came to serve you, humility. The great message of Christmas is that Jesus chose to humble Himself. The one who was high and exalted came down low at Christmas. You might title this song, Have Yourself a Humble Little Christmas. According to Philippians 2, Jesus humbled or lowered Himself in a breathtaking way at Christmas. First, think about it. Jesus chose to leave heaven for earth. It's hard to imagine what it meant for him to leave his home in heaven and become a human baby born on earth. I mean, Jesus Christ is God, the second person of the Christian Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all co-equal, all powerful, all knowing, and dwelling in unapproachable light at the heart of the universe. And Paul says Christ himself was like God in everything, but gave up his place with God and made himself nothing. That's what humility means. It's to make yourself little or small. It doesn't get any smaller than this, does it? On Christmas, King Jesus chose to be born in the body of a tiny baby. The infinite God became an infant, a tiny child who couldn't speak or eat solid food or control his bladder, who depended on a teenage mother for shelter, food, and love. Theologians call this the Incarnation, the Son of God assuming a human body and human nature. 100% God, but now 100% man. That word, Incarnation, you see the Spanish word carne, it means meat or flesh. Chili con carne, it's God in the flesh. You might call this baby God in a bod. Babies are fragile, aren't they? A newborn horse can stand and walk within an hour or two of birth, but a, a baby human takes six months just to sit up and crawl. A year before this guy can walk, babies are so fragile, super dependent. And yet Jesus voluntarily gave up his power and position in heaven to become a newborn baby at Christmas. The omnipotent, all-powerful God makes himself vulnerable and helpless. It's staggering to consider the humility in this, how low your creator God came to enter our world as a man. 
Jesus is the creator of the universe. It's stunning to think these are the hands that made the heavens. Have you ever seen a picture of the heavens? Let me show you a breathtaking photo of our universe, which Jesus created. This is called the Pillars of Creation. It's a photo taken by NASA of deep space, by the Hubble Webb Space Telescopes, dazzling columns of interstellar gas and dust surrounded by sparkling stars. This is 6,500 light years from Earth in the Eagle Nebula. Astronomers call it the Pillars of Creation. They say this is a nursery where baby stars are born. Some say it looks like the hand of God himself holding up the pillars of creation. Do you know who the Bible says created the stars? Our solar system, the galaxies, the pillars of creation. The Bible says, for in Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Everything has been created through him and by him and for him. Imagine this, the hands of Jesus literally forming the stars the universe, the pillars of creation. Before he became a baby boy, Jesus Christ created the cosmos. And we're just one galaxy. There's over two trillion galaxies in the observable universe. Your brain might explode if you think too hard about it. The God who created the universe that's still expanding, whose hands hold the pillars of creation, came to earth not in a whirlwind, not in an earthquake or a devouring fire. Rather, your creator God shrank down down, down, so small as to become an ovum, a single fertilized egg, barely visible to the naked eye, in the belly of a nervous pregnant teen. That's humility. Not only that, Philippians says he was born as a man and became like a servant. In other words, King Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a barn, outside in the freezing cold, in the squalor of a stable. And he lived a life of humble poverty. You know, when his parents dedicated Jesus at the temple, they gave two pigeons. That was the offering given by the poorest of the poor. During his 33 years on earth, Jesus never, never owned a home. He said, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has has no place to lay his head. I want you to imagine that. Jesus was functionally homeless. And when he came to the end of his life, he had to ride into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. He ate in a borrowed room. And on the cross, he was stripped naked of his only possession, which was his garment. They cast lots for it. And then he was buried in a borrowed grave. That's a life of humility and poverty. Who aspires to that? Certainly nobody in our generation. I mean, we dream of affluence, of riches and fame and people serving us. But at Christmas, we see the holy exalted one intentionally take the low position. Jesus chose to live as a servant of all. In other words, at Christmas, the King of Heaven came to earth and served you and me. What do you do when you're the most powerful person in the universe? According to Jesus, you put a towel on your waist. Get down on your knees and wash dirty feet. That's what Jesus does in the Gospels. He feeds the hungry. He heals the sick. He, he cares for the disabled. He comforts the hurting and he defends the vulnerable. And he washed the feet of his disciples. You know, when he gathered his students or his disciples around him, he, he told them, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. Turns out humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less and about God and others more. It's saying, I have God-given power to spend in the service of others. And that's what we do as Christ followers. We serve. This Christmas has been so beautiful to watch you spending your strength in the service of our neighbors in need. Feeding the hungry, putting on hairnets and packing meals for hungry children and starving families in the Philippines. Dancing with the disabled at night to shine our prom for adults with special needs, where we roll out the red carpet for our VIPs and for a single night, heaven touches earth. The last are served first and you are sacrificing yourself to bring clean water for thirsty people on the other side of the world. In Rwanda and Honduras, you're spending your power, your influence to serve the global poor and bring clean drinking water to thirsty kids. That kind of servant spirit is close to the heart of God, especially at Christmas. Jesus left heaven for earth, became a man, chose to live as a servant. And after 33 years of feeding the hungry, healing the sick and loving the least, it was time to go home. Time for Jesus to return home to heaven. The last line in Philippians verse eight says, and when he was living as a man, he humbled himself, was fully obedient to God, even when that caused his death, death on a cross. I realize the cross is commonplace in our culture. Maybe you wear a gold cross on your neck, but I assure you, Jesus did not die on a golden cross. In the ancient world, the cross was not humbling, it was humiliating. Because in the Roman world, the cross was reserved for criminals and slaves. The cross was not humbling, it was humiliating. You want proof? Take a look at this ancient graffiti that archaeologists uncovered in Rome. It was found scribbled on the wall of a guardhouse in the second century. If you look closely at the tracing, it shows a crucified man with the head of a donkey, meaning he's stupid. And next to the cross is a man with his arms raised in worship to this man hanging on a cross. And below the image, scribbled in Greek, are the words, Alexamenos worships his God. Scholars say this graffiti was meant to mock an imprisoned Christ follower named Alex by depicting his Lord as this mule-headed loser. See, in a culture that valued pride above humility, that's what Jesus' crucifixion meant. The idea that any great person, let alone God Almighty, would let himself suffer the shame of a Roman crucifixion, it was absurd, it was bizarre. So when the ancient world saw Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, this all-powerful God hung naked on a tree, they shook their head. It was humiliating. And yet this, this is the voluntary death Jesus' followers saw their Lord choose out of love. It turns out this baby was born to die as a sacrifice for our sins. And that, my friends, is the source of true humility. True Christian humility is cruciform. It takes the shape of a cross. It means dying to yourself because you realize the needs of those beneath you are greater than your own rights and comfort. You know, as Christians, we sing the song, The Wonderful Cross, because we believe Jesus died as our sacrifice. He took all of my sin, your sin, on himself. He died in our place. His blood paid for your sin. And if we humble ourselves and we trust in Jesus, you and I receive eternal life. Are you beginning to understand why the Philippians sang about the humility of Jesus at Christmas? They realized his humble birth, 
his servant life, and then his humiliating death turned the world upside down. It started a humility revolution. The exalted, all-powerful God lowers himself to be born in a manger. He stoops down to serve. He lays down his life on a cross. And in so doing, he earns the worship and praise of millions and billions of his followers. The ancient world was flipped on its head. Greatness was redefined. The low point is now the high point. If you want to be lifted up by God, you stoop to serve and you sacrifice yourself. How low did your God go at Christmas? Jesus Christ chose to die on a cross for you. That's the final thought I want to leave you with. Did you know at Christmas Jesus chose you? You know, a lot of people wonder, does God really love me? The cross answers the question, it leaves no doubt. God, your Father, loved you enough to send His sinless Son on a rescue mission. And out of great love, Jesus came down at Christmas to be with you. His name is Emmanuel. It means God with you. To live with you, to love with you, to suffer and die for you in your place on this cross. And three days later, he was raised from the dead. So that you could have a home with him in heaven forever. You know what that means? One day, you and I will see the pillars of creation. You will see King Jesus on his heavenly throne. And if you call Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, he will call you my son or my daughter. Do you know him that way? Can I ask if you put your faith in Christ for salvation? Because it's the greatest gift anybody can receive at Christmas. It's the gift of grace. Grace is this undeserved love and the favor of God. It's not religion. Instead of us climbing our way up to God, God came down to you in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. It's not about what you do to be accepted by God. Instead, Jesus did it for you by being born in a cradle and dying on a Roman cross. And to receive that gift, all you need is humility. So let me close with this challenge. This Christmas, would you be willing to humble yourself? Offer your whole life to Jesus. More than that, would you choose to actually live like him? I mean, that ancient Christmas carol starts with this lyric. It says, in your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. You know what that means? Every time you choose humility, you let somebody go ahead of you in line. Every time you sacrifice yourself to serve someone else who needs help, Every time you spend your strength or you use your power to serve the poor or the hurting, when you bind up the brokenhearted, you are living and loving like King Jesus. And that's the goal of Christmas, isn't it? Jesus Christ became a man so you could live like Jesus. So have yourself a humble little Christmas, my friends. Let's give our King the gift of our whole lives. Would you pray with me right where you are? Just pray these words. Say, Jesus, I worship you on Christmas. Thank you for coming for me, for being born as a baby, living a sinless life in my place, and dying the death I deserved. I put my full faith in you at Christmas. You could simply pray, Jesus, be born again in my heart. I turn from my sin, I give you my whole life so I can live with you forever. Father, I pray for every man, woman, and child 
who is praying that prayer, would you just fill them now, flood them with the Holy Spirit and reassure them that they are yours forever. We love you, Lord, and we celebrate you at this Christmas. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, amen. God bless you guys and Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.